So Bobby has just read you a version from the gospel according to Luke of that morning in the garden. I want to commend to you this morning a different version from Mark's gospel. It's much shorter. It has some interesting perspectives about that amazing resurrection event. Hear what is written in the gospel according to Mark. I'm reading from the message version. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they, they could embalm him. Very early on Sunday morning, as the sun rose, they went to the tomb. They worried out loud to each other, who will roll back the stone from the tomb for us? Then they looked up, saw that it had been rolled back. It was a huge stone, and they walked right in. They saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed all in white. They were completely taken aback. They were astonished. And the young man said, don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, the one they nailed on the cross. He's been raised up. He's here no longer. You can see for yourselves that the place is empty. Now, be on your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he is going on ahead of you to Galilee. You'll see him there exactly as he said. So the women got out as fast as they could beside themselves, their heads swimming. Stunned, they said nothing to anyone. Now in the earliest manuscripts that have been found of Mark's gospel account, the earliest ones that have been found, this, verse 8, is where Mark's gospel account ends. Some translations of verse 8 are even more abrupt and disturbing, like the New Revised Standard Version, which says, So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Don't often hear those words on an Easter morning, do we? Terror, amazement, overwhelming bewilderment, fear, not the typical emotions that we associate with Easter morning, are they? After all, Easter in our culture is about brightly colored eggs, chocolate bunnies, soft marshmallow chicks, ducklings, pastello marshmallow peeps, terror and amazement and fear don't fit the cultural Easter narrative at all. It's kind of like finding snakes and scorpions in your Easter basket. It's just not something that we would look forward to on an Easter morning. Mark's initial ending was so uncomfortable, even for Mark, that he was inspired to add on to it later. And so later manuscripts include verses 9 through 20. And they talk about Jesus's appearances to Mary Magdalene and then to the disciples on the road to Emmaus and then the commissioning of the disciples and the ascension of Jesus up to the right hand of God the Father. It's all great stuff. It's all gospel. It's all true. But this morning, I think it would behoove us. I like that word, behoove. 
I think it would behoove us to concentrate on Mark's original eight verses, because I think you'll find them revealing. First, we focus on the women at the tomb. In verse one, Mark tells us that Mary Magdalene, the woman out of whom Jesus had cast seven demons, and another Mary, Mary the mother of James, sometimes referred to as the other Mary, and a woman named Salome, who was the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, you know, Zeb's wife. Not to be confused with a different Salome, who you may be thinking of, who was the daughter of Herod II and Herodias, the one who demanded the head of John the Baptist to be brought to her, different Salome. But these three brought spices after the Sabbath had ended, and they went to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus. But there were wrinkles in their plan that they hadn't thought through. First of all, how would they roll away that huge stone that had been placed in front of Jesus' tomb? Not only that, but they had placed guards on the tomb because they feared that someone would steal the body and claim that he had risen. And so how would they convince the guards to let them even approach the tomb? And then how would they deal with the decay and the decomposition that would have already been underway in the hot climate after a day and a half? And then there's the question, why did they even need to go anoint the body again after Nicodemus had already wrapped the body in a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes before they sealed the tomb? Questions. So clearly, the women were not expecting a resurrection to have taken place, even though Jesus had told them many times before that he would rise from the dead. See, clearly they were driven by a different set of expectations on that Easter morning. Maybe we have a different set of expectations this morning. They hadn't thought it through. But then, see, I heard it said that love often causes irrational actions, does it not? Anybody ever been in love? Anybody ever done something stupid because you were in love? See, love often responds with little thought ahead of time. It tends to be spontaneous and, yes, illogical. It's driven more by passion and compassion than by conscious thought. And so, driven by love, these women went to the tomb. And they encounter there the angel in the tomb. When they arrive, the stone is already rolled away. Some versions say the stone had been blown out. And when they looked inside, they were greeted by an angel dressed in white and they're afraid. But the angel says to them, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. Yes, you the one who was crucified, nailed to the cross. He's not here. He's been raised, the angel says. Look, there's the place they laid him. But go now and tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. 
See, in verses 4 through 7, Mark tells us the good news of the resurrection. The angel in a white robe in Scripture is typically an angel who is there to reveal divine truth. And the divine truth this particular angel reveals is that the tomb is empty. Jesus, the one they were seeking, wasn't there. He was dead. He was buried. But now he is risen. He's no longer here. So the angel tells them, don't hang out here in the place where the dead belong. Go and tell Peter and the others that Jesus is risen. And so then, sooner than we expected, we're at verse 8. And so they went out, verse 8 says, and they fled from the tomb for terror and amazement had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone for they were afraid. So here's the thing about ending it in verse 8. See, if we add the verses that Mark uh, eventually added, verses 9 through 20, where all the appearances of Jesus are discussed after the resurrection, just as they are in the other gospel accounts, we have a stronger case, do we not? We have testimony that supports the resurrection other than just the account of these three women coming upon an empty tomb and an angel proclaiming the resurrection. If I had to present this as evidence in a courtroom, I surely would like to have those eyewitness accounts in verses 9 through 20, wouldn't I? But here's the thing about the resurrection. And don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm here to tell you this morning that verses 9 through 20 of Mark's gospel and the other gospel accounts that talk about the appearances of Jesus after that Easter morning are in every way accurate, every way truth. They are the real deal. But the thing about the resurrection in Mark's original gospel in those original eight verses in chapter 16 of Mark's gospel, the end of the original gospel, the thing about the resurrection is that it's not a question of evidence of which there is plenty, but rather it's a matter of faith. It was a matter of faith then, and it's a matter of faith now. Either you believe it as a Christian or you don't believe it and can't call yourself Christian at all. The gospel of Jesus Christ has never been about evidence. It has always been about faith. Why were the women in a state of terror and amazement and fear? Because. Oh, my Lord, suddenly. It was all true to them. Suddenly, the teacher was no longer just rabbi. Suddenly, the teacher was now God incarnate. Suddenly, Jesus was everything that he had said he was. Now, now it was their turn to respond appropriately to that knowledge, that realization, that revelation to do as the angel had said and go tell the others that Jesus is risen, that Jesus was and is indeed who he said he was. 
And if you're a Christian today, and I ask you, as I often do, to go out there and tell someone about the risen Savior, does it not strike some of you and me with some degree of anxiety, maybe even a little bit of fear? In some cases, if you're not accustomed to those kind of interactions, maybe even a wee bit of terror. How will I be received by others if I go talk to them about the risen Savior? Will they think I'm a nut? Will they think I'm some sort of Jesus freak? Will they brand me as intolerant of others, as being judgmental and holier than thou and self-righteous? Any of those things that society tries to project onto those who dare to call themselves Christians. So I submit to you, don't judge these three women too harshly for not telling anyone at first what they had just seen. Proclaiming the gospel, even when you completely believe it, is not easy. It's difficult. It's hard work. But this Easter morning, I'm here to tell you, It's not a time of terror or bewilderment or fear for you and me as Christ followers. For those of us who believe the resurrection is the power and wisdom of God at work in the world. In a world that operates off of the premise of proof. The resurrection is not at all about that. It's truly not about the evidence that Jesus was crucified, died, was buried, and rose from the dead three days later. No, it's not about the evidence. It's about the faith we have in Him that He accomplished those things and that by believing on Him, we get to share in His resurrection. We get to benefit from His work on the cross and in the grave so that through Him we need not fear death. We need only to rejoice in the life, the life eternal that he gave to you and to me. And the hope that we have in him that he will come again very soon and take us home with him. It's not at all about the evidence. It's about the mystery of faith. You know it. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Christ will come again. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.